Thank you for downloading Tube Flash Tales, original flash fiction inspired by London Underground and vintage and contemporary brooches. If you want to find out more, visit the Tube Flash website, but not before you've listened to this set of Tube Flash Tales. Off the rails. London Bridge. Not Falling Down by Len Sarkula London Bridge isn't falling down yet. It's a prime piece of real estate that I've recently acquired, with full rights. There's an old tale about an American buying the edifice, believing it was that Victorian mechanical wonder Tower Bridge, and then being disappointed that his shipped-out structure didn't do any tricks. No, I've bought the actual London Bridge, knowing its nature and knowing my purpose. Build it up with wood and clay, wood and clay will wash away. We don't concern ourselves with the doings of Americans anymore. The challenge is to accommodate the ever-growing population of once Great Britain. The bridge was not simply for traffic, but had houses and shops, economic and ergonomic, one might say. My plan, a hive of apartment dwellings stretching across its span, bisected by a slim pedestrian thoroughfare. With the oil so quickly running out, there is no call for motorised vehicles. Build it up with stone so strong, then it will last for ages long. Bricks? No chance. The tightly packed domestic dwellings will have to make do with thin polymer plastic sheeting. Admittedly, it provides minimal privacy and little protection. Ah, yes, you see my game now. Build it cheap, take the profit, and when it all falls down again, shrug my shoulders and claim well, there was a problem with the maintenance. Besides which, what does it matter if a few souls drown in the river? There are so many. Constructing another flimsy crossing at a later date will provide work and purpose for the survivors. Before another strategic collapse... My fair lady. Hornchurch. What Would Louis Armstrong Do? by Rachel Gordon She lugged the worn and battered case that protected her most valuable possession across the station, muttering a string of apologies as she went. This was the fourth time today she'd clobbered someone's knees and sent them buckling to the ground. She knew she was late, but a little bit of her just didn't care. Actually, that wasn't true. None of her cared. 
Not one little bit. Depressingly, she knew having to run to catch the train would be the most interesting part of her day. After that, it would be the concert in Havering, followed by some polite just-smile-and-nod conversations before she went back to the academy to teach that snotty-nosed brat his scales. Of course he wouldn't have practised, and she would sit listening to his ear-crunching intonation and split notes as he insisted he had played it perfectly just last night. She headed towards the platform, dejected, tired, and in a world of her own. She didn't notice the fifth person she bumped into. In one swift motion, both she and her case were on the floor, staring at an advert for Louis Armstrong's greatest hits. When she was young, before the lessons, the concerts, the recordings, and the ceaseless pushing from her mother, she played simply because she wanted to. That's why Louis did it. So why can't I? she muttered to herself, as she opened her case, took out her French horn, looked up at Mr Armstrong, and played Richard Strauss's Horn Concerto Number no. 1 for the unsuspecting mortals waiting for the 212 to Upminster. Wembley Park Finally, by Simon O'Rourke He got out of bed hours ago. He sat on the old bus, sang the old songs and dreamt the old dreams. But now it was real. Years of unconditional love would be defined by the next few hours. He was prepared for the overwhelming emotion he was feeling. He had perspective now, and that helped. He knew that there was more to life than this. The events of the last year had taught him that. The arguments, the bitterness and the painful goodbyes. He'd changed in so many ways. The breakup he'd seen coming. The sudden death of his father was a terrible shock. But the thought of this day, this place, had helped him through the worst of times. he dreamt of it for as long as he remembered dreaming about anything. So he lingered for a moment at the top of the steps. He thought of the Twin Towers and the men who once ruled the world. He thought of the tales his dad told him of coming here in the 1970s. Stories of beer and cigarettes and victory against the odds. His dad would have loved this. But this wasn't about yesterday. It was about today. His day. His lifelong dream. His turn to stand and sing and hope. He smiled and started down the steps towards the crowds. There were thousands here, all like him, each with their own story and their own version of the dream. Yes, there was more to life than this but not today. Brent Cross
Marked in red by Grace Painter. The elegant tap of her designer pumps brightens the sound of the working morning. One hand clasps a sleek umbrella and the other a piping hot coffee. The blonde bob resting on her shoulders bounces with every graceful step and her plump red lips smile at her admirers. She is something out of an advertisement. Women envy her and men want her. Home of beautiful shops and designers galore, it's her favourite place to unwind after a tiresome week. She breathes in the London air, a cocktail of busy bodies and pollution, misted with a perfume clinging to her neck. The coffee is drained, her feet slightly sore from wandering about the shops, and the umbrella now held high, protecting her from the April showers. A quick dash back to the safety of the tube, and she joins the rest of the commuters. The train is on time with plenty of empty seats. A middle-aged man places his newspaper down on the vacant seat next to him. She spots the seat and walks forward, careful not to trip over askew bags and protruding feet. Folding the paper neatly, she places it behind her. She brushes down her skirt before taking a seat. The train empties quickly, leaving her almost alone. She glances around the carriage and then retrieves the newspaper. Her feet, as if on automatic, slip out of her pumps. Sore and pinched, they reveal several holes in her well-worn tights. She spends the rest of her journey circling job advertisements in a pen redder than her lipstick. Tower Hill My Most Precious by Holly Cave Do you ever stand, toes at the threshold of that yellow line, and imagine some nutcase is going to push you in front of the train? I always do. Every time the warm assault of air whips the hair against my cheek, I cast a furtive glance over my shoulder and judge. Charcoal suit, not crazy. Blow dry, not crazy. Skinny, pale, dressed head to toe in leather. Maybe crazy. Sidestep, hold your belongings close. The Tower Hill eastbound platform is quiet this afternoon. Outside, people jog, bike and bus beneath the sun, burning diamonds into the pavement. I walk to the right spot on the platform and crouch, balancing with my fingernails, letting them sink into the gum-studded stone. It's still there, the thing that keeps me sane, the most precious thing I've ever owned. It gleams brightly in the grey grime beneath the track. My crown jewels. You are right, darling, he asks, lightly brushing my back. I tighten less than I used to. I don't move. In fact, I smile. He probably thinks I'm crazy, 
but crouches next to me anyway, his dreadlocks dusting my shoulder with their scent. You see, I point to the brooch. He nods repeatedly, imperceptibly, like one of those dogs on the back seat of cars, as if the vibration of the tracks is funnelling up through the platform and into the tendons of his neck. Did you drop it? he asks. I shake my head and meet his eyes. I threw it. King's Cross and St Pancras Storms Ahead by Vicky Adams When I arrive, there are crowds of early risers waiting out the countdown to the cancellations of service in mute pockets of steam from polymer cups. The young guy behind the counter of Pret-a-Manger rubs his eye with the heel of his hand and asks me if I want a bag. My tongue is morning numb, so I nod and try to smile. The mobile buzzes in my pocket. The tea is lukewarm by the time I remember it. The lid clicks off and the air fills with the smell of cardboard. The electronic boards loom overhead, blink and sift to the left. I re-thread the words of apology together in my brain. Not fault my storm ahead warning so. One edge of the shoulder strap is fraying. It caught in a door years ago. When I zipped up before dawn, I thought again it's going to snap. Nothing lasts forever. There's plastic woven into the fabric, alternating the scratch with softness against my thumb. The 810 to Aberdeen accepts defeat. The woman at the table next to me huffs and scrapes her chair back. Only travel if it's essential. A small child crying into her Rice Krispies. Drinks with the neighbours. Archie's carol service. You, down, me, always let. Might as well swim it, mate. He leans closer, swipes the discarded lid. Finished with that. Before I can agree, he moves on, humping a clear plastic bag along the wet-streaked floor. I could go south for the winter. I could stay here. I can't change this. Finished this, I, with, am. You've been listening to a Tube Flash production. Off the Rails, read by Keith Morris, Tim Heffer and Mena Bonsells. If you enjoyed this download, why not visit the Tube Flash website, www.tubeflash.co.uk, where you'll find more underground tales to download and keep forever entirely free by following the iTunes link. <laughs>